It's good to be back here with you again. Good to see you. Appreciate the invitation to speak here to you. I take it seriously, and I esteem it very important. Uh, I've been much prayerful thought uh, ever since the invitation to come, what the Lord would have me to, to bring, speak to you about. Uh, it's important when we come together to hear the word of the Lord. I like a verse of scripture in Psalms one. Oh, 148. I believe I have the right address to it, and I'll turn to it to be sure that I... Psalms 143, and verse 8. I knew I had the 8 in there somewhere or another. Psalms 143 and verse 8. Cause me Cause me There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof the ways of death. The Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity was first known as being followers of the way. What way? Which way? There are many different ways set forth in the world, man's philosophy, Paul at Mars Hill walked by and saw all of their images and so forth and realized that he was among a people that was very superstitious is the word we have. It means simply philosophers, various ideas. You can go to a college or university and you'll find that there are various schools within that university. School of Medicine, School of Science, School of Education, different schools. All of them are teaching their philosophies, their ideas. Somewhat, maybe, most of the time, in conformity to the program or the charter of the university. You travel around in America today, you find various church buildings, we call them. I pass by some, and I am impressed to say, I hope you are what you claim to be, Church of God. I wasn't ever building that calls itself a church wherein God's people meet I wish that every one of them were churches of God. 
I'm reminded when I prepared to that of a little story about a preacher who had an appointment to preach at a church of God and was in a strange town and he got there needing directions and he saw a young boy, paper boy on the corner and he stopped him and said, son, said, I've got an appointment to go here and preach at church of God. He said, can you tell me where it is? He said, well, let me think for a minute. He said, over oh, there's the Baptists and the Presbyterians are over there and Methodists are back here. And he said, no, sir. He said, I don't believe God's got a church here in this town. Well, I hope that among those who are followers of that way, that there are some of God's elect. Used to have a good friend when I was a young boy growing up in grade school, elementary school, uh, church next to our church building was called the Church of God, and the pastor was a man, very godly and devout man, Brother Compton, well known for his devoutness. Very zealous man, good family. I have, as a boy, I attended their vacation Bible school. I hope to think that among them that there were some who were God's elect. What is the right way? I tell you, our world is a world of confusion. And that's not by design, not by, that is rather by design, purpose. Now the word of God says God is not the author of confusion. That confusion does not come from God. It is a perversion brought about by Satan. Various ways. Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. Various ways. You know, when you were children, you had an image maybe impressed upon you what the devil looked like. Red suit with horns, carrying a pitchfork and had a long tail. I don't think I've ever met any creature like that. I've seen a lot of people that acted like that. I think a few times at some Halloween parties I may have seen someone dressed up in a costume like that. But I don't think I've ever really seen anyone who was the devil. And yet he is rampant, functioning, and began his ungodly efforts in the Garden of Eden amongst humanity. And he began in a very subtle way took on the form of a serpent, most subtle. Now, I don't think the creature was crawling upon his belly when it came to Eve. That's my understanding of it. Could be wrong. But it was a very graceful, gracious, graceful creature. Very beautiful to look at. Satan referred to as being an some part of the scripture has been an angel of light. He takes various forms. He's not always been of that same form. He has many manifestations. Sometimes he manifests himself as a roaring lion. Not a real lion, but as a roaring lion. Paul, or Peter warns us, be 
vigilant, be sober, for your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes he is referred to as being a dragon, fierce. Sometimes he is referred to as being a serpent, poisonous, deceitful. But his religion, philosophy, is always the same. It can be described as being anti. Whatever God is, he's against it. Whatever the truth is, he's against it. And he perverts it and distorts it by various means. Paul will warn us and tell us in 2 Corinthians that there were false apostles. I'm reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it is. You're familiar with that scripture, I'm sure. For Paul says that we should not be deceived, no marvel at it, because he says, <clears throat> verse 13, or the 11th chapter, really, he says there are false apostles. The highest office that anyone can hold in Christianity, apart from being the head of it, which is the title along for Christ, even though the Pope claims to be the vicar of Christ, he's not. But the second highest office would be an apostle. The Lord, out of his disciples, chose twelve. One of them was manifested as being the son of perdition, a non-converted, non-regenerated person, Jews. But of those twelve, he called them apostles. Paul will tell you that the Lord set this office first in the church. First were apostles. That's the first office. They were uniquely given authority and power, inspiration. By the Holy Spirit of God, they were made to be infallible in their teaching. They laid a foundation. They were taught by Christ. The Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance all the things that he had taught to them. And they uniquely persevered and pursued those teachings that Christ had. Except for Judas, of course. Now here are some men that Paul says are false apostles. Of all the audacity, boldness, to claim to be apostles. Not just ministers, but apostles. Well, I've heard about and read about and seen and heard of, even in the year 2023 of some people who refer to themselves as being apostles. We've got a man in our little town of Aberdeen, Mississippi, who is an apostle, he says, of Jesus Christ. How do we know who they are? For such are false apostles, Paul says, they are deceitful. Deceitful means that you twist and pervert. You don't speak it truthfully. You're not clear. You don't support what you say. We see them as magicians. We know now as adults that there's no such real thing as being magic. But when you were young, you were entertained by magicians, schools. They do or now not. It's been a few years since I've been in school, but... Uh, 
Schools used to have magicians to come in. There are many, various ways. I've seen them on TV. Do marvelous magical tricks. Put a woman into a box and you see her feet sticking out over here and her head sticking out over here and they cut the box in two. How in the world did they do that? Magic. No, deceit. Trickery. Rabbits, things pulled out of hats. How in the world did they do that? I don't know. Except by a cunning, crafty way to deceive people. And they do. Many are taken up with it. I sat as a young boy with some other friends around a table at a friend's house one night. And one of the older girls in the family was going to show us that she had the power of to call up spirits, evils, or just ghosts, she said. Put all your hands on your table, on this table. We sat at a rather large table, kitchen table. Put your hands on this table now. Now we're all going to concentrate. We want the table to move. Now concentrate. Suddenly the table began to move. I didn't make it move. I was somewhat fearful. This thing was moving. Now it didn't get up and go around all the room, but it raised up and moved and things. I went home that evening and I told my dad what happened. I said, magic. He said, no, son. It wasn't magic. It was trickery. Oh, no. Nobody, we just saw it happen. I had my hands on the table. Son, listen. Believe me. It was trickery. Some way or another, it was trickery. Well, I didn't know how it happened, but because it's my father and I believed him. I wrote it down in my mind as being trickery. I learned later that that's what it was, trickery. False deceiver, workers. But they not only are trickery, use trickery and deceitfulness in their activity, but they masquerade themselves. That's what the word here is, transforming. We pass through the devil's season called Halloween. And I used to be involved in Halloween. I've gone out many times with a false face on. And we've done a lot of things as the boys, you know, young boys, it's Halloween. And never know anything about it. We didn't do too much meanness. Not too much. But we had a lot of fun and boys in the country, you know. <clears throat> but we masqueraded ourselves. Skeletons, ghosts, different things, characters, bums, and so forth. We weren't really that what we were. In fact, the matter if you went to the neighbor's house and knocked on the door, she came to the door and she'd call your name probably. Shucks, I had a false face on. I thought she knew, I thought I deceived her, but she knew my voice. And she knew who I was. But these men, people, they transformed themselves. You'll note, he says, Transform themselves in as apostles of Christ. What audacity. They have no reservation. They don't hesitate to use the name of Christ. And they use that name to deceive and pervert and twist and turn 
the gospel of Christ, precious truth, to something that is not the true gospel. Paul warns the churches of Galatia about that. He says, if an angel from heaven were to come and preach to you something which is another gospel, in the Greek there, Paul uses the Greek word which means it is a different gospel, not a, not a true gospel. I, well, let's just turn there for Galatians chapter 1 for a moment, if you would please, and let me kind of give us an understanding here of Galatians chapter 1, what Paul is saying. He says here in chapter 1, I marvel, writing to the saints at churches of Galatia, I marvel that you were so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. What? Now, what, did these people lose their salvation? No. If they were born again, they didn't lose their salvation, but they took off down a different route. They got deceived. We have sad case of a young preacher back in Alabama. I won't call his name and don't want to tell too much details about it, but a young preacher, <clears throat> he preached for us a couple times at our church there in Mayhew and he then became pastor of a church in Alabama. Seemed to be doing a good work. Very zealous, so forth. But all of a sudden he taken up a strange doctrine. And he had heard on internet and seen on internet a man from out here in Texas. And this man claimed to be Jesus Christ. And he was convinced that this man was Jesus Christ. And that this man could work miracles and that he was an earthly manifestation of Jesus Christ himself. And he began to espouse some of his teaching. And the primitive Baptist church that he was a pastor of said, hey, that's, that's not, that's not what we believe. And they ended up having to dismiss him, discipline him for preaching, preaching heresy. They were right. He was sad. Young man seemed to be great potential. Been among the primitive Baptists for years. His, his family were primitive Baptists. Had a wife, dear wife, children. And he's taken up with this false doctrine. Now, hopefully, preachers have worked with him and he's been recovered. But I only tell it because here's a man who was a preacher taken up with a false doctrine. Well, I know about an apostle that also got sidetracked. You read about it in the 16th chapter of Matthew and some other the Gospels. The Lord had said to the apostles, Whom say ye that I am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist and some Jeremiah. But who do you say that I am? And he spoke directly to Peter. And Peter made a very profound, theologically correct statement. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You cannot make a more concise, theologically sound, biblically sound statement than that. The Greek definite article is in front of all three words. Thou art the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That tells you the truth about Christ. But shortly thereafter, the Lord is telling his apostles that he must go up to Jerusalem and 
He was going to be crucified by the Romans and Gentiles. That didn't fit Peter's agenda. Now, it's not just Peter. All Israel was looking for the Messiah to reestablish the divinic kingdom. And they thought indeed that that's what the Messiah was going to do. And their rabbis and had taught them that that was what was going to happen. And that wasn't with Peter's agenda. Peter's agenda and the apostles, some of the apostles, other apostles seemed like their agenda and their thought was the Messiah. And if Christ was the Messiah and they believed that, that he was going to set up a kingdom, the divinic kingdom, and they were going to be blessed to rule with him in that kingdom. Some on the right hand and one on the left hand. The scripture says that Peter took Judas aside. I'm sorry. Peter took Jesus aside. And the word there is he rebuked him. That's a strong word in the Greek. Rebuked the Messiah. Yes. Why? Because he was deceived. He was being led astray. And the Lord said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, the Lord was speaking to Peter, but Peter was under the strong influence of Satan, demonic spirits. Now, I tell people, don't think that the devil is not after you. No matter who you are, preacher, deacon, or whatever your position, just because you've been a Christian for 20 years, doesn't make any difference. The devil can entice you, lead you astray. That's his business. He's a liar and a thief. A liar and a murderer, the Lord said. He's deceitful. And one of the ways in which he does that, he masquerades himself as the apostle, as an apostle, as a minister, as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now back to Galatians 1, and Paul said, I marvel you so soon removed from him that calls you unto this grace unto another gospel. Now that's what they are saying. We're preaching the same thing that Paul preached and just a little bit different. Which Paul says, which is not another. And there is a different Greek word. Now here is how you can understand this word another. I'm sitting at the table. My wife has prepared an apple pie and she's prepared chocolate pie. I like both of them. I only like two kinds of pies and that's hot and cold and, but she's prepared two kinds of pie, apple and a cold, apple and a chocolate. And I've been eating on the apple pie. And she says, do you want another piece of pie? I said, yes, I do. And she starts to get me a piece of the apple pie because that's what I've been eating. I say, no, I want another piece of pie, but I want it to be the chocolate pie, different pie. It's another piece of pie, but it's not the same pie. Well, that's how this Greek word here is, <clears throat> which is not another. It means another, it's a different one, entirely different, which is not another. But there be some who would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Would you believe it? That this good news, this precious gospel, this truth that is so precious and tells us about a great God who loved his who loved his people, who loved his wor- the world of his elect. Uh, add that so you can understand 
what the word of God means and says. Who loved the elect to the point that he sent his only begotten son and the son agreed to come and die on the cruel cross of Calvary to redeem them from all their sins. And that God has purposed by his love and grace and mercy that those people would become heirs of eternal life, join heirs with Jesus Christ, and that they would have eternal life and enjoy heaven with the saints of God for all eternal ages, and that there would be those who would dare to death, pervert and twist that gospel from the precious truth that it is. Why? Because they don't know the gospel. Let's preach And though we, Paul himself, are a messenger from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which has been preached unto you, let him be accursed, anathema. Unless that would be missed, he goes on to say, as we said before, so say I now, if any preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's serious. Which brings me back to Psalms 143. If there are deceitful workers who transform themselves as the apostles of Jesus Christ, I need to be careful. We all have, I guess, maybe any more GPSs. But I don't trust GPSs. I'm old school. I like a hard copy. I like a map in front of me. Uh, GPS will lead you, but sometimes they go astray. Or somehow or another, they get things mixed up. My brother-in-law was pulling a large travel trailer, and he was traveling somewhere out west, and I don't know exactly where this was, and he doesn't know where it was either. But he was traveling at night following his GPS, and all of a sudden, he ended up out in a big cow pasture on a dirt road with no place to turn around. And I don't remember how it was. I think they went, just kept going, kept going, and finally they came out on a piece of paved road and got out of there, but that GPS had led him wrong some way or another. Well, I tell you, if you don't know, I'm an old truck driver, and a GPS will take you the shortest route but not the best route. Got to be careful. We came down here, Highway 7, enjoyed the trip down from up at Nacogdoches yesterday. And I enjoyed the trip following my GPS, Highway 7. I had left my Texas map at home. I stopped to get one up at the uh, information station, the rest area there as you come into Texas. And lo and behold, they were out of maps. They, they were locked up. So I didn't have my hard copy. So I was following my GPS. Well, I made it to Nacogdoches all right. and But I wasn't real sure. I didn't want to get on Interstate 35. And I was afraid that 30, that 7 was going to lead me to 35. But it I, it didn't. It brought me in. The, and by the grace of God and with the GPS's help, I pulled into to Brother Rick's. Sister Paula's place last night, yesterday evening. I was following the GPS, and it, and it was right. The reason why it was right 
because, you know, there's a lot of le electronics. I can't explain all that about geographic stuff and the magnetic poles and all that. But they, they're about to get them Im improved upon. But I still like the hard copy. Cause me to know the way that I should go. I would hate to be a 15-year-old person again living in America today with all the false doctrine and teachings that's going on. But more importantly, I would hate to be a young convert with all the false, trying to find out which way is right. Well, there is a way. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. The old Baptists used to talk about the inward working of the Holy Spirit. My Christian pilgrimage began among free will Baptist people. The young 13-year-old boy, I was baptized by a free will Baptist minister. I, my parents thought he could walk on water. And so I thought whatever he said was true. And whatever he preached, I thought it was right. Until years later, about, <clears throat> became about 18 or so, I began more serious in reading the Bible, studying it for myself. And I come to realize that that man that I highly esteemed was not telling me the truth. He was a good man, honest man, sincere man. But he wasn't preaching the truth according to the word of God. Calls me to hear. Do you hear that? Calls me to hear. Well, what's wrong with you, preacher? I've been able to hear since I was a baby. He's not talking about physical ears. He's talking about spiritual ears. Because we are born spiritually deaf. Except maybe John the Baptist. Maybe there's some other people I don't know. But we have record of one who I believe was regenerated in his mother's womb. That will tell you that the Holy Spirit of God directly in what we refer to as immediately. That means without any means at all brings about life, spiritual life, imparting life, regenerating, new creature brought into existence within the old creature, the old body. Our Lord sold Nicodemus that. He was an older man, probably in his 40s at least, teacher of the Jews, knew the word of, knew the Old Testament, was a Pharisee, very devout man, but the Lord said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except you be born from above, or again, whichever way you want the word, but the word means the same thing, and I like from above, except you be born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That which born the flesh is flesh, and which born the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Why? Because we are born naturally, except for maybe Christ and John the Baptist, our natural birth, we, when we were born, we were spiritually dead. And Paul describes it in Ephesians 2. Because of the sin curse upon us, because of Adam and Eve's sin, 
We are all born spiritually dead. Could not spiritually understand things. You might have an IQ of 160, but you still have spiritually deaf, ignorant. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after the Lord. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them. For they are what? Foolishness unto him. We live in a foolish world. Paul will describe the condition of the world in 2 Corinthians. He says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. How, how did that come about? What's their condition? Paul will tell you, whom the God, if our God be, gospel, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world, the word God is in small letters, because there are many gods, small letter gods, but there is one God of this world who is Satan, who orchestrates the prince, and who is the prince of power of the air, that orchestrates the spiritual beings against whom Paul describes in Galatians and Ephesians, that we war against, that are adversaries to all of us, who are perverting the truth of God. And we grow up with vain philosophies and ideas and traditions in our minds. And every man has his own religion, some kind of religion, and whom the God of this world has deceived them. And if God does not work and impose himself in a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit of God and regenerate us and cause us to hear the truth, we will die believing the lie and being very devout and very deceived in it. Cause me to hear the prayer this morning for the Rick prayed that God would give us spiritual ears to hear. We all need to have our spiritual ears tuned up. We get so much interference, distractions. Pray that God would give us all hearing ears. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. What a blessed it is to hear the loving kindness of God. That's what the gospel is all about. The loving kindness. It's an everlasting love. Jeremiah the Lord says, Yea, with an everlasting love have I drawn thee unto me in loving kindness. Paul, or David rather, in Psalms 51 he prays that the Lord would be merciful to him. He prays for the Lord's in the multitude of thy tender mercies. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Loving kindness. It is kindness that is motivated by love. God is a God of good. God is good. He is good to all. He's good to all of His creation. He sustains it, maintains it. He rules over it. All creation is the handiwork of the Lord. And when God created it, He said it is good. He took delight in it. Man has spoiled it, corrupted it. And still God 
maintains it for his own purpose and glory because of his kindness. But loving kindness is an entirely different thing. A little boy asked his mother for a peanut butter sandwich. And she went in the kitchen and fixed him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and brought it to him. He bit into it. He said, Mother, when you got up to go in the kitchen to fix me a peanut butter sandwich, that was kindness. But when you put jelly on it, that was loving kindness. Loving kindness of the Lord. You hear his word. You hear his truth. His precious promises. And they come to you out of the word of God. And they are loving kindness to us. They're encouraging words. They're comforting words. They're instructing words. They're corrective words. But they're words full of loving kindness to us. I preached a few weeks ago at a Bible conference. They asked me to preach on the gospel. This congregation is not a primitive Baptist congregation, but it's a sovereign grace congregation. But they have a unique thing about them. And they will quote 1 Corinthians 15 and several times throughout their service. And if you get up and preach, regardless of what you preach, if you don't quote 1 Corinthians chapter 15, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. If you don't quote that, you didn't preach the gospel. Because they think that that's the sum total of the gospel. Well, it it is a precise statement of the gospel. That is the very heart of the gospel. But it's not all of the gospel. All the word of God is good news to God's people. Wherever you pick it up and read it, that's what Paul says in 2 Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. I mean, when you're reading through the genealogies, they're profitable to you. It's an accurate record. I have a chart that I put up at our church. It's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's a good chart. It's according to the scriptures. And it traces the genealogy of Christ all the way back to Adam. All throughout the, the kings of Israel. Showing the two lines of Joseph and Mary. Jesus is a descendant of David. In fulfillment of the promise that God made David concerning the son of his loins which sat upon the throne of God. He is a descendant of Abraham fulfilling the promise that God made to Abraham of thy seed. And that genealogy is according to the scriptures. And it supports what the Bible says. That tells you what Paul is saying. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable to support things. The loving kindness of God. Pick it up and read it. Most important thing you can read is the loving kindness of God. I like books. I read a lot. I've come to the point where I have to discipline my reading because I like to read so much that I found myself reading, wasting my time reading too many 
magazines. I'm talking about good magazines and newspapers and so forth. I, I, I just don't have time for that anymore because the, preci- the most precious thing that you can read for your time is the Word of God. Be students of the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Every Christian needs to be a student of the Word of God. To know Paul spoke about the Bereans. They were very honorable, he said. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures daily whether these things were so or not. How are you going to know what is the correct way unless you know the author and know it, read his book? Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. I say that this prayer is a prayer to be prayed at night. When you get up tomorrow morning, most important, the blessed news you can read and hear about is the news of God's word. Whatever goes on in the world, the news is going to be distorted to you, perverted. And whatever's going on in the world, believe it or not, is according to the will of God. He's working to accomplish his will and purpose. That doesn't mean that everything that he did and don't mean that God is the author of any evil sin. But I'm just saying he's in control at all times. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Why? Why is that in the morning important? Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the beginning of the day. How dare we to start the day apart from devotion with the Lord, time with the Lord, prayer with the Lord. There's a song that used to be sung in many churches and I don't know if it's sung anymore because I don't hear it anymore. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? How dare we go through the day without starting it right with hearing the voice of the Lord? Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Why, why is that important? Why am I talking to you about that today? I mean, there's a lot of other things that I, there's a whole book here I could read, but why does the Lord put this to us today? Why this? I'll tell you what you and I need to hear. Of all the voices in the world, of all of the books that have been written, of all the programs on radio and television, of everything that's going on that fills this room right now, radio waves, microwave, things that are here, you've got, you, they're here, you may not hear them, but they're here. Of all the voices that's trying to get your attention, that's trying to pervert the way of truth, all that's going on. It's important to you and I that we hear the truth from the Word of God. Cause me to hear. Now that doesn't mean you just pick it up and read it. It means that you listen to the Holy Spirit teach you. Cause me to hear. You can teach a parrot to memorize Scripture. But he doesn't understand what it is saying. Revelation chapter 1. I'm not going to go through Revelation with you. Hold on. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth. And that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein. Three words. Read. Hear and keep. This book is not just a novel. This book 
came to us from the throne of God. From the throne of God. That was so much impressed upon me as I studied the life of Christ. And I'll have you to turn to the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. There are many other, a couple other verses that I could go to. But I'll read from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. Verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men that thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest unto me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. Wait a minute. This is Jesus Christ speaking here. And he's praying to the Father. I don't think he's being deceitful. I've given unto them the words that thou gavest me. Now there are a lot of translations in the market today. And I hate to get onto this subject because I know it's a very controversial subject. But I'll tell you, first of all, the King James is the best English Translation you can get. I've got that from very good authorities, scholars. One of the men who was very student of the language, Greek language and Hebrew language, said to me personally, Brother Herb, you can't have a better translation into the English that's available today than the King James. I don't want to get into all that discussion right now. But here's what I want you to see. When you are reading and handling the word of God, it is the word that God gave. Paul says they came by inspiration. That word inspiration means it is the very breath. It came out of the very mouth of God. Holy men of God, Peter says, Holy men of God spake as they were moved, guided by the Holy Spirit. This book is a sacred book. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. A man was, had a rope story, as I wasn't there, of course, but allegedly a man had a rope cable stretched across Niagara Falls. He had done many feats of doing, walking across a tight wire stretched out from poles and trees, and, but now he was going to do this across the Niagara Falls. He stretched this cable across the Niagara Falls. Back in those days it was legal, now it's illegal. And uh, he advertised that he was going to push a wheelbarrow, a man in a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls. And so he did. He got up there and he walked across it first. And then he pushed a wheelbarrow across. And then he put a sack of feed or something or other weighing a hundred pounds, 150 pounds allegedly, in the wheelbarrow and pushed it across. 
to prove that he could do it. And then he said to the large gathered crowd, I asked for a volunteer to come and get in the wheelbarrow and let me push him across. You know, no one volunteered. (laughs) There was his co-worker who he had hired and paid to get in the wheelbarrow who finally came up. But no free volunteers. Oh, the crowd said he could do it. They believed he could. He proved he could. But nobody trusted him. There's another little story. Forgive me for being telling these stories, but I'm trying to make a point. A man was hanging off a cliff by just a root. Way off a cliff. Way high. He was praying with someone hollering, somebody help, help, somebody come and help me. Suddenly there was a deep voice came from the sky. Said, let go, I'll catch you. Silence. Help, help, somebody come and help me. I said, let go, I'll catch you. Third time. Help, help. Somebody come and help me. I said, let go. I'll catch you. I don't know whether the man ever let go or not. But that's the point of the story. The man didn't want to let go. I, You see, God says, trust me. You know what trust is? Trust is total, complete reliance on. It is trust to the point of obedience unto death. Obedience unto death. The signers of the Declaration of Independence felt strong conviction that their cause was right. And it was. And that they were justified in doing what they were doing to get freedom from the King of England. King George had become the enemy of the colonists. Not only high taxation, but forcing men into service, military service, and other things. And they gathered around to sign this Declaration of Independence. And someone said, Gentlemen, we must all hang together or we will hang separately. Well, most of them, it cost them their lives, their property, their families. It's a sad thing to read of the history of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And the reason why those men had such boldness in doing that was because They trusted that God was directing them in the bringing about of this great country. And I believe he was. But more so than that, there are many of God's dear saints, martyrs we call them, who laid down their lives for the cause of Christ. Some of them men, some of them women. 
who were told that they would only recant. They could live. But rather than denying their Savior, denying Christ, they willingly walked to the fires of their destruction or walked and laid their heads on the chopping block to be cut off. Fools, the world said. How rash to do such a terrible thing. But they did so with a great conviction that they were laying down their lives, mortal lives, to go to enjoy eternal life with their Redeemer Savior. For in thee do I trust under death in the face of all adversaries. Not only do you pray for to hear the voice of the Lord, but it goes on to say, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God has given to you and I, who everyone that's born again, we have a guiding spirit within us called the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, regenerated, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And according to this word of God, that spirit now tabernacles within you. And your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that inward witness of the Holy Spirit is given to you for the very express purpose that you and I might know the truth and the way that Christ laid out for us in his word. He commissioned his disciples, his church, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What gospel? The gospel that I have declared unto you. The gospel that I have lived. The gospel that I died for. The gospel of my death, burial, and resurrection. Go preach that gospel to all the world. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There is only one reason to be a primitive Baptist. Only one reason to be a primitive Baptist. I came from other orders. There's only one reason why we should be meeting here today. There's only justifiable reason why you claim to be a primitive Baptist. And that is because they, to the best of my understanding, are following what the Word of God says. If that's not true, let's go find one that is. Let's close the doors down. Let's turn it into a dance hall. Whatever it wants to become. If it's not following the Word of God, if we're not followers of God's Word by the Holy Spirit of God, it behooves every one of us to say, Lord, show me and cause me to know the way that where I and I should walk. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's not your burden, your heart, you ought to get serious about reading and studying the Word of God. You need to know what is the truth. 
Don't be deceived by false teachers. Don't be deceived by tradition. Don't be deceived by all the stuff that you hear on radios. Don't be deceived by what you're reading in books and magazines. Don't be deceived by the vain philosophies of the world. There is a way. It is a singular way. It is a narrow way. And few there be that find it. But I'll tell you about this way. It is the path of Jesus Christ. It is the way that Christ followed and taught his apostles. It is the way the apostles have taught. It is the way that God sets down in his word. And we have it here in the word of God today. Read it. Beg God by the Holy Spirit of God to teach you and to show you the truth of God. Be not deceived. Don't walk in darkness. But be so committed to the truth. To Jesus Christ who loved you and died for you. That you say, I want to follow Christ. Whatever the world may say, whatever my friends may say, whatever my parents may say, whatever my children may say, whatever my spouse may say, I will follow Jesus Christ because He died for me. He is my Lord and my Savior. He is my coming King. He is my great High Priest. He is the one that saved me from my sin. Cause me to know the way that I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. The most precious thing that a person has is their soul. What should it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What would a man give in exchange for his own soul? Oh, there is a way that seemeth right in a man, but the end there are the ways of death. The world, blinded by Satan, is following the broad road that leads to destruction and damnation. We all were going that way. Paul said, among whom we all had our conduct in days past, and were by nature the children of wrath. But God, oh, but God, who is rich in his mercy, for his great love, wherein he loved us, his grace, mercy toward us, came to us by the Holy Spirit of God, regenerated us, calls us to hear the gospel, calls us to believe it, Blessed is the man that thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. And causes our hearts to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Our Lord said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Why? For they should be filled. God must give the hungering and the thirsting. Satan has deceived the world, is deceiving the world, and had us in his kingdom. 
until God, by his grace, regenerated us and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. For I lift up my soul, the most precious thing that a mortal being can have, uniquely sets us apart from all the rest of God's creation, is an eternal soul that will never die. It may die eternally in hell, but it never actually dies. Or it may live eternally in heaven by the grace of God. Here's my soul, Lord. I lift it up to you. I trust you. You keep it. You've redeemed it. You draw me close to you. And when I, when it comes time for this soul to depart out of the body, you take it to its home in glory. Cause me to know the way that I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. And all of us at one time or another were probably going that way. And the truth of the matter, we would all still be going that way. Were it not for God's divine grace, preventive grace, restraining grace, redeeming grace, that brought us to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If our gospel be hid, hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world had blinded the minds, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ should shine through us. But God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, had shined into our hearts and given to us the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the light of his glory. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. We've just passed the midnight, or I mean the 12 o'clock hour. I hope that God by his Holy Spirit is blessed to hear something of the loving kindness of the Lord this morning. And that we've said to the Lord, because I trust you. And I want to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. God bless you.